Hello, and welcome to episode 91 of The Modern Manager. I'm your host, Mamie Canfor-Stewart. A warm welcome to Nora S., Dom M., and Robbie C. to The Modern Manager community. I am looking forward to connecting with you in the members-only Slack group, and I hope that you are enjoying all of the bonuses that you're finding in the member space. Also, I mentioned in the last episode that I am taking on two new coaching clients. So if you are interested in getting the support that you need to tackle your biggest management frustrations and boost your skills, go to mamieks.com coaching to learn more. I always want to make sure that I am the right coach for your needs. So if you are ready to try coaching, go ahead and complete the intake form on the website because I would love to work with you and help you create those habits for success that will serve you and your team well into the future. Links for the membership community and the coaching info are all in the show notes, and stay tuned at the end of the show for some more information on both of those. Now, today's guest is Jake Kahana, co-founder of Cave Day. Jake is responsible for building the brand and product centered around facilitated, collaborative, deep focus. He spent the first decade of his career making campaigns that you would probably remember, and he is also a founding U.S. faculty member with the School of Life. Jake and I talk about the challenges of dealing with so many distractions, shallow work, good habits, the difference between productivity and accomplishment, how to create a distraction-free environment so that you can do your deep work, and how to minimize disruptions and create deep workspaces as a team, even if you are virtual. Now here's the conversation. You're listening to The Modern Manager, a podcast dedicated to helping you be a rock star boss with a thriving team. Whether you're looking to upgrade your meetings, cultivate your team, or grow as a leader, this podcast is for you. Now here's your host, Mamie Canfer stewart Thank you so much for joining me today, Jake. We first have to start with two shouts. The first shout out is to prior guest, Mike Tannenbaum, who introduced you to this show unknowingly. So thank you to Mike for promoting the show and thank you for reaching out because of that. And secondly is thank you, shout out to Jeremy Redleaf, your co-founder at Cave Day, who is one of my good friends. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Mamie. I'm, I'm really excited to be talking to you about uh, all things productivity and management and thanks for having me. All right. So let's start on the topic of focus. Because obviously, when people are not focused, there's a productivity loss. But there are probably other less obvious problems with lack of focus and being constantly distracted and interrupted. So can you talk a little bit about what's going on with focus? Sure. What we like to say is that we live in the age of distraction. We are working in the time when technology is supposed to be helping us and instead is the thing that distracts us most. We unlock our phones on the average of about 80 times a day, and we touch our phones up to 5,000 times a day. We are on our phones all the time. We've got dings and notifications. And what this does is all of these notifications and distractions promote shallow work. Shallow work is this idea of, I'm just trying to get things off my plate and check off the to-do list. I'm not really, you know, deeply thinking about solving the problem or doing the important thing. I'm just trying to knock out the, the urgent tasks. And the more that we work in this shallow way, the less accomplished we feel at the end of the day. And and all of that is leading to burnout and and a million other things that we could continue to go into. So I'm not surprised to hear that we touch our phones like a bajillion times. And I have recently noticed how many times I unlock my phone and then immediately lock it because I didn't actually want anything out of it. It's just so habitual. Right. 
yeah, it just feels good that that sound, that click, everything is designed to feel good and to satisfy that craving. Yeah. And then I think about all of the little shallow work that I do now because I'm a heavy to-do list person and I feel so satisfied. Like It's so much better for me to check off 10 things on my list, even if they were all little things, than like one big thing. Like It's just not as satisfying. It is day to day. And I think, you know, hour to hour, if you're like looking at your list and just a, at a quick glance, it does feel good to, you know, say I, I responded to 10 emails and my Slack notifications are at zero. But when we sort of zoom out at the end of the week, at the end of the month, at the end of our careers, if we're only doing these small tasks, it really can lead to this feeling of disappointment or not feeling productive or accomplished at the end of the longer periods of time. So something you just said really resonated for me, which was, you know, being productive and being accomplished or kind of the difference between looking back and feeling like I had a really productive day versus I accomplished something today. That's an important nuance. And, you know, one of the articles I was reading that you wrote talked about our brain being like a house with a front door and how you can kind of lock your front door and like do your, you know, have your nice family meal inside without interruptions, which is not necessarily how our, our we think about our brains functioning. And we kind of let all these interruptions in. And so it would be like standing at your front door all the time and being like, I'll accept the package now. And like, oh, Fresh Direct is here or, you know, just a million things getting in the way of actually enjoying time with your family. Yeah, I, this idea of our brain having a door is, is a concept that I borrowed from Sharon Salzberg, who's a famous meditation teacher here in, in New York, and sort of globally. But it's this idea that, yeah, we have this door to our brain. And typically, we don't think about our brains the way we would think about our house. Like, yeah, you lock your front door to have your family meal to relax to go to sleep, and to feel like nothing is going to come in that's going to disrupt family time or disrupt quiet time. But when we think about our brains, we might not even have a door, you know, we have the concept of a door, but how we behave might just be a little bit more like an open hut or something where anyone can just sort of walk right in and say, hey, Mamie, how was your weekend? Or send you a Slack message that says, whatever, I can't find that PDF. And suddenly I'm engaged in that conversation instead of what I was doing. And Part of the, the point of the article and, and the concept is thinking about creating boundaries between our deep work, our focused attention, and the things that are grabbing for that attention. And so putting up do not disturb notifications or away messages or being clear with your team or clients about often going into the cave, right? Like I'm going to go into the cave, shut out distractions, which might include a phone call or an email or, or a Slack message in order so that my work gets better, in order so that I can learn faster, in order so that I can deliver better work and sacrifice a little bit of that needing to be always on and always available. So you just said going into the cave. Can you talk a little bit about what that is? Like, is it really just turning everything off and like putting on some headphones? Is there, you know, what, what is going into the cave? Sure. It, it's our playful metaphor for deep work. There, there's a lot of influences from Cal Newport's book to Daniel Pink's book to Mihai Csikszentmihalyi and flow. It, it, but, but there's a couple ways that we think about it. One is creating an environment that is distraction free. So that means putting your phone out of reach and out of sight. That's a crazy idea in itself. So uh, just to touch on that for a second, 
the University of Chicago did this crazy study that was like, having your phone on your desk, even if it's upside down, even if it's on airplane mode, temporarily reduces your IQ. It like makes you dumber to have your phone in front of you because it creates less engagement in whatever you're in. We know that experience from being out with our friends. And as soon as the conversation has a little lull, we reach for our phones and the same goes for our work. So going into the cave is about creating a distraction-free environment. So yes, it's putting away your phone. It's closing the tabs you don't need. It's quitting out of email and it's putting up a notification or, or snoozing Slack for a little bit. It's being really clearly defined what I'm working on. So, you know, maybe that to you means making a to-do list, but we like to say, what are you working on? What are you avoiding? And what does finished look like? Those three questions helping to guide the work so that I'm defining work by the task and the assignment, not by being in front of my computer. Is that clear? That is. And I, there are like so many pieces of that that I want to go deeper on because first of all, the putting your phone away and the reduced IQ thing is just crazy. So like that, that's just mind boggling. But also this thing you were saying at the end here about defining what success looks like. So it's not, I'm going to go sit in front of my screen for an hour and do as much as I can, you know, which maybe means you're not actually doing the right things or being as efficient or productive as you should be, but actually saying, this is the thing I'm going to do. And this is what it looks like when it's done. And having that kind of clarity for yourself, which I constantly am saying to managers, that's the kind of clarity you have to give when you're delegating something, when you're when you're asking someone else to do it. You have to give them enough so they know what finished, what success looks like. But we almost never do that for ourselves. We almost never articulate that kind of like, what does finished look like. Totally. And like I said at the end, you know, what what we've equated work to being is just being in front of my computer. So, you know, I'm in front of my computer for eight hours a day it's suddenly six o'clock, seven o'clock, and I close my computer and I'm like, what did I even do today? I was working all day, but we've sort of equated just being in front of our computers with working. So when I have to like work at night or on the weekends or at, at home, you know, I, I'm working, which means I have my computer in front of me, but you know, I've got the TV on, my kids running around. I'm supposed to be working. So, you know, rather than like define what I'm supposed to be working on and what finished will look like. Most of us just sort of, I have to work, so I'm just going to open my computer and sit in front of it and and feel like I'm being productive without necessarily feeling accomplished. All of this points to this idea that we have a relationship to work. And part of that relationship is in partnership with two other relationships. We have a relationship to work, a relationship to ourselves, and a relationship to our social lives and our partners. And, And the idea here is that if we can have a healthy relationship with one, we should have a healthy relationship with all. But if we have a dysfunctional relationship with one, if I'm like giving and giving and giving and not feeling rewarded or accomplished in one, if I have a dysfunctional relationship with work, it's really hard to be a good friend and it's really hard to do any sort of self-care. And so this idea of defining what finished will look like and feeling accomplished at the end of our workday, at the end of a work sprint, can improve that relationship to work so that I can comfortably shut my computer and say, yeah, I feel accomplished today. I'm ready to go do some self-care, be with my partner, be a good friend, be a good parent. And all of that stuff is really important to fueling our work. Yeah. And it makes a lot of sense. And I've experienced that definitely for myself. I am a hardcore boundary setter in wanting to have 
time for myself to go to the gym, to get manicure, whatever it is, time with my family, time to socialize, and time for work. And I definitely feel it when one of those things is kind of bleeding over or taking up too much time and energy. And even within those things, you know, bringing, kind of circling back around, I have noticed that even having the attention, you know, bringing that kind of focus to whatever social engagement you're at, right? Like to not pick up your phone when you're out with your friends and let that kind of just be your escape or your distraction when like you're sitting there because they went to the bathroom. Like all of those little things make a difference. It's not just at work. Yeah, it is about behavior as humans. It's it's about learning habits that will serve us in any capacity. I think you're you're totally right that you know, if we're training ourselves, whether we're out to dinner or in our office, to be looking for our phone to be constantly, I don't even want to say entertained because we're not always entertained. We're just the opposite of bored. Whatever the opposite of bored is that isn't entertained, just occupied, that we lose that gap time. And that gap time is important for just our let, letting our minds wander, letting our minds rest, to be creative, to be connected to the people around us, to, to observe what's going on and, and all of that improves the way that we work and, and all, all three of those relationships that I mentioned. So if I want to do this in the workspace, in the workplace, and I will start with, I have an in-person team where we're mostly physically co-located. What are some of the things that I could do to introduce this idea of a cave time or a cave day or cave space? Mm-hmm. You know, how, how, do I, how do I get my team up to speed on this and excited about this idea? Sure. Well, well, first I would say, let's experience this together as a team. Let's block off an hour. And what we're going to do is just work like a library. Study hall in college, all the people around us are agreeing to these same rules where we're all going to work, we're not going to talk. And let's experience what that looks like together. Our brain can focus on one thing at a time for optimally between 25 and 52 minutes. So what I would say is schedule the hour set up the rules ahead of time. Here's the rules. We're we're not going to talk. We're going to focus on the most important thing that we have to do for the day. And we're going to monotask as opposed to multitasking. And let's just see how that goes for the next 45 minutes or 50 minutes. Work like that. And then just reflect afterward. How did that feel? What was different? And then beyond that, we talk a lot about creating a team agreement. I know that in, in some of your past episodes, you've talked about team rules or a team manifesto or a playbook. A similar philosophy is just having a list of team agreements, which might include things like how do we protect cave time? You know, I know I'm a morning person. I'd love to not schedule meetings before 11 a.m. so that I can do my deep work then. Or, hey, like this worked so well. What if we created a space that we do this together? And as a manager, I can say, I'm going to book this conference room once a week, twice a week, however often it makes sense. And it's going to be a cave. And for that amount of time, we're going to work in 45-minute sprints, and we're going to use library rules. And this is going to be a space where you can come knowing that it's going to be a focused time. So yeah, I I would say one is agreeing to set of rules, and two would be creating the space for it. Awesome. All right. Now, what if I lead a remote team, and so we're not co-located, and we mostly communicate through all the dings and buzzes? So a couple things. We run cave days remotely, which basically means it's three and a half hours of deep work with your camera on while you're working. So it's totally possible to say the same thing. We're going to try an hour together where we're all on 
you know, Slack video or whatever, just doing our work. But we're showing up together basically to hold each other accountable, to not be distracted, and to say that deep work and focus time is really important. So that's a possibility. I think the other really clear practical advice that I would have for teams is to think about Slack and email and Gchat and and any sort of more immediate communication as asynchronous communication. Typically, we think about these tools as synchronous, like I'm going to say, hey, Mamie, and wait for your response back. Hey, Jake, what's going on? Hey, I'm looking on the server for that PDF. I can't find it. Will you just resend it to me? And now I've disrupted your flow and your time, and hopefully you were doing focused work. But if instead, and it's a small shift, if I just said, hey, Mamie, I need that PDF. When you have a second, could you send it to me? I assume that you're doing focus work. Let's assume that you're even snoozed notifications on Slack, so you're not going to see it for 30 minutes or an hour or two hours. But that shift says we're prioritizing as a team deep work and focus time, and we're not prioritizing being on all the time, ready to answer any question at any notice, and that emails and Slack have to be responded to within two minutes of being received. That we're shifting those agreements for communication to a more asynchronous flow. And and we can agree to a two-hour response window or something so that we can help each other prioritize and promote deep work among the team. It's so interesting how you talked about Slack there of not being real-time because You know, we think about with meetings, which is something I talk a lot about, you know, when you go into a meeting, the expectation is that you are present in the meeting with the other people, focus on the topic and the agenda and the outcomes that you're driving towards. And no one expects you to be on your phone. In fact, if you are responding to stuff on your phone, it's like rude and people are, you know, trying to get rid of technology in meetings. But when we're working independently, we don't have those same norms. We don't have that same sense of this is time that I've dedicated to this particular thing. And so we let the interruptions kind of get in our way. But you know, as you're talking, I'm like, oh, this is about like treating your own work with the same kind of respect that you have for me. This is the time I've designated for this task. And I'm not going to be distracted by my phone or anything else because something more important is happening. Yeah, it's a really interesting observation. You know, I'm sure your listeners are well-informed and great managers that don't expect technology in meetings and respect each other's work like that. But I'll say just from being like a freelancer on the side that (laughs) I'm bouncing around from office to office every couple of weeks. And that's not always the case. You know, people don't work in that same way. But yeah, I, I, I agree that we don't always respect our work independently the way that we would when we're around other people. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons why I like what you said about doing a Zoom meeting, but not actually talking, right? Just doing it as part of the cave experience to hold each other accountable, because I think you're totally right that if you tell people to do this independently and no one's around them, it's so easy to distract yourself. Yeah, exactly. It's easy to distract yourself when you're alone and even in a group. I led a remote session this morning, actually, And I have to remind people throughout the session, like, make sure your phone is out of reach and out of sight. And we often use the analogy of going to the gym or working out with a a workout buddy. You know, you could go for a run and have a good workout and feel pretty good. But when you're just around someone, when you're running next to someone, when you're there at the gym with somebody, a trainer or a buddy, you're sort of subconsciously pushing yourself and, and pushing them without necessarily explicitly saying, you know, come on, run faster, run harder. 
we just naturally are are competitive and tribe minded people that that need other people around us to be held accountable to. Do you ever ask the team to share like what each person's going to be working on during their cave hour? Yeah. So in every session, this is a big part of it is we do a a work check-in at the beginning. And it started actually for a different reason. We started doing that one to like build community. We just, you know, our first couple events, we had 40 or 50 people in the room and we were just, you know, say your name and one or two words about what you're working on. And we went around the room in a minute or two. And what it turned into was we discovered that people like being seen, that it's really easy to go to a Starbucks or to work from home or, you know, sort of disappear in the corner of a co-working space or something. But it actually feels good to say out loud, like, this is what I'm working on and it's pretty cool. And other people hear that I'm designing this app or writing that proposal or organizing my team outing or, or whatever it is. And it's a big part of the accountability factor that we do at Cave Day. And it's a big part of how we connect to each other in the cave. That It's, it's not just a study hall. The Cave Day is really about doing work in a community and, and connecting to the people you're working with, even if you're not talking for the full hour, that there's a moment in the cave of, of connecting and understanding and seeing each other. Well, and I'm imagining that even for a team that works together all the time, I know that there are tons of tasks that my colleagues do that I don't ever think about or hear about because they're just doing them. And what a great way for a team to really start to understand each person's role and their list of responsibilities and tasks and things that they do. And my husband is always joking, like, what do people do all day long at their desks? Like, (laughs) you know, it's like, it's so mind boggling to be like, well, somebody's got, you know, 40, 50, 60 hours of work, but what are they actually doing? And what a great way to start to shed some light on that as a team. Yeah. So part of, you know, going back to how I can do this with my team if you're going to run this deep work session and and try to do a cave is to make sure that you have a check in and a check out. Take five minutes to go around the room, one or two words about what you're working on at the beginning. Sometimes we say like, what's one thing that you're not going to do? So I know that checking email can lead to a deep rabbit hole for me. So sometimes I'll say like, I'm not going to check email for the next sprint. So, you know, checking in at the beginning and then checking out at the end, you know, we're a team, let's celebrate the wins. If, If we're working together, we should be able to like, get some deep work done and to high five each other at the end to say, hey, I finished that presentation and I expected this to take three days and I finished it in in half a day because I was focused and not distracted. And that feels really good. Let me say that out loud. Let me celebrate with my teammates who I should be celebrating with. That's awesome. Any other great thoughts or suggested tips for how to run a cave day with your own team? I think the last thing would be to make sure that people are actually present in the room together. So if you're a remote team, I would say, keep your video on. You know, it's really easy to, okay, we're going to work together. I'm just going to turn my video off. But let's make sure that we're present and in the room. And if you're doing this in person, to try it without headphones, to try it without music, and to turn some white noise or, or brown noise on, you can just find a loop on Spotify or brain.fm is great repetitive music designed for focus. There's lots of white noise machines. And what that does is it keeps that part of the brain that is looking for distraction. It's looking for the tiger in the jungle that's going to jump out and eat us. And so it's, it's ready to look at the distraction. And we don't obviously live in the jungle, but that part of our brain is still very much alive. And so what white noise can do is sort of drown that part of the brain out and, and keep it busy. 
So having some white noise playing not only like keeps everyone present in the room, but it helps get into that flow state and keep us focused a little faster. Awesome. All right. Well, as we are wrapping up, first, can you tell us about one of the rock star managers that you had the pleasure and privilege of working with and for and what made this person so awesome? Sure. So my favorite manager and rock star manager in my career was this guy named Brian Rolls. Shout out to Brian Rolls here in New York. We actually worked together in LA. He's a creative director and a partner of a ad agency called 72 and Sunny. I worked there, geez, 2011 to 2013. And he was my manager. And what I loved about working with him is, one, I felt like I was smarter by working with him. I've worked with a handful of managers that sort of make me feel dumb. And I sort of took that as like, oh, this is how I'm learning. I feel dumb and I'm never going to make that mistake again or I'll do better next time. And Brian always would make my ideas better. I would share something with him and he would say, hey, did you think about this? Or what if you did it like this? Or why did you do it like that? He would ask me great, great questions, almost like a coach. And the other thing that he did is he gave me the space to step up. So, you know, typically I would be coming up with ideas and I would present them to him and he would present them to the client. And there were several times where he sort of pushed me a little bit. He was like, you can present this to the client. I want you to know what your idea is and, you know, defend yourself and have a strong opinion. And he really pushed me to be a better creative person and a better future manager, thinking about how to just support and trust the people that I work with. I just felt very trusted and taken care of and able to sort of run with my own thing while being sort of nurtured and groomed by him. I really enjoyed working with him. And he was just fun to hang out with. Like when we had to work late nights, it was just fun to hang out and talk with him. And he was he was a, a great guy. He is a great guy. I haven't worked with him in a long time now. Awesome. Sounds like a great guy. All right. Finally, where can people learn more about Cave Day and keep up with you and all the cool stuff you're up to? Sure. So you can follow us at caveday.org. We run six, maybe seven sessions now a week three in person in New York and the rest remotely. So no matter where you are, you can get some deep work done in the cave. Just look at our schedule at caveday.org and follow us on all the socials at at caveday. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Jake. This was fantastic. And I now have a whole bunch of things I am going to do differently, like putting my phone in my bag at my door instead of leaving it on my desk to start with. That's a great start. Thanks, Mimi. If you are intrigued by Cave Day and what they're doing, Jake has provided a free 10-day trial of Cave Day to members of the Modern Manager community. You enter the cave and participate in a facilitated deep focus session so that you and your team can accomplish your best and most important work. To get the free trial, become a member at mamieks.com slash join. As always, all the links are in the show notes and they can be delivered to your inbox when you subscribe to my newsletter. And you can do that at mamieks.com slash podcast. Now, a few more words about the membership community and coaching. The Modern Manager includes four membership levels. Fan is $2 a month and gives you access to the members-only Slack group, where you can ask questions and I, along with other managers, will respond. And of course, you can share your advice and experiences too. We're building a community of managers supporting each other to be rock stars. The Novice level is $15 per month and also includes episode guides and guest bonuses. And of course, you get access to all the previous content when you join. The bandmate level is $50 per month and includes everything that I've mentioned already. 
and a monthly group coaching call where we hop on Zoom and tackle your specific challenges. These are an intimate group setting, so we always get to everybody's questions. And lastly is the lead, which is $300 and includes everything that I've mentioned and a 45-minute coaching session just with me one-on-one each month. These calls are scheduled at your convenience, and this is where we really dig into addressing your challenges and building new habits. And I get to be your accountability partner, your advisor, a mirror, a challenger, and sometimes a cheerleader to help you grow and transform. There are additional coaching packages as well, if that's what you're most interested in. And you can learn more at mamieks.com coaching. And again, check out the memberships at mamieks.com join. If you work for a government or nonprofit agency, you get 20% off of any of those membership levels as well. Just shoot me an email and let me know. You have done great work already by listening to this podcast and thinking about how you show up every day as a manager. It is time to take it to the next level by investing in a membership or coaching. You and your team deserve it. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. Meetings are one of the most critical components of healthy collaboration, and teams are at the heart of how we work. Meteor helps you use your time in meetings productively, build healthy relationships with your colleagues, and move work forward. To learn how we do it, visit meteor.com. That's M-E-E-T-E-O-R.com. You've been listening to The Modern Manager. You're already becoming a rock star boss of a thriving team, I can tell. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player and join the mailing list at mamieks.com slash podcast. That's M-A-M-I-E-K-S dot com slash podcast to get show notes and other special content delivered directly to your inbox. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.